the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 177 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. Follow the podcast on Twitter. We are at Baseball365Pod. That's where we will post any updates whenever the podcast is the next podcast is released. I am at Justin Hughes365 and Andrew is at AMCQ82. It is the first Dynasty Startup podcast Andrew and I have done in five years. I just finished my Prospect 361 Daily or um Dynasty League startup draft. And Andrew gets to take the host role, and he's going to interview me all interview me all about it here in just a bit. So if you're really into the Dynasty League discussion, this is the pod to listen to because Andrew and I talk about my team and just talk a lot about our mindsets and how we play Dynasty Leagues. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways people play, and you're going to hear us. We are very like-minded on this one. Andrew and I can be like-minded on a lot of things. I know he, like I always say, Andrew is a very smart player and he influences me in big ways because of the the amount of time he puts into it. And, you know, his track record speaks for itself. But anyways, we both really have a similar mindset for how to do Dynasty League startups. And yeah, you'll get to hear us talk a lot about the way we think and the way I was thinking as I was going through this draft. So if you like Dynasty, get in for a ride because we've got an hour and a half of Dynasty League talk, Dynasty League startup talk coming up here. So enjoy. All right, Andrew, we get to do something on this episode we haven't done in five years. And that is there. We one of us, me, I participated in a dynasty startup draft. And we're going to talk about that today, which is as you and I have talked about many times is one of our favorite topics to discuss just dynasty startups because of how much fun they are. You ready to do this? Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be fun. (sighs) You know, I I would I just went and looked it up before we started recording. It was episode number fourteen. We're here on episode one seventy seven wow. right now. That was March twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, is whenever we did a podcast on both of our dynasty startups. Oh, okay. I was gonna say what drafts were those? That was probably RM three. Yep. RM three and then my daily dynasty league, which yeah, that'd be fun to go back to listen to. <laughs> yes, that actually would be entertaining. You know, just so, to hear the stupid takes we had, probably. Somehow but, we yeah. talked about both of them in one hour and 50 minutes, 5-0. And yeah, I don't think we could do that today if we actually talked about two different dynasty startups. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems seems like it'd be complicated. But my, my goal is us not to do that for this one today. That's how, like, my fear of, like, hopefully we don't go that long, but we'll see. Um, Yeah, so I'm handing it to you. You get to take the, uh, the be the podcast host for this one. So I'll just hand it to you, and you can kind of lead the way, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth on this. Yeah, so we'll, um, 
we'll kind of start out. Obviously, Justin was the one that was doing the draft. Um, he'll be doing a lot of the talk and just strategy, stuff like that. I'm obviously going to chime in. But kind of just to start off, obviously, Dynasty Startup, um, which to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, it's the most fun thing you can do in fantasy baseball. You agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, just in terms of, I mean, it's just the best. Like, there's nothing better than a Dynasty Startup. Auction redraft leagues is number two for me, but Dynasty Startups are just the best because you are looking. I mean, there's so many different ways you can draft and you know that you're taking these guys and you're basically starting something. You can draft a guy and own him for 10 years straight in the, in, in one of these. Yeah. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, started off just review kind of, the rules like weekly, daily, when you can sub hitters, pitchers, um, the categories, stuff like that, and yeah. like league name, any of that. The prospect three sixty one is actually who this is under. If um, you know Andrew and I both, I mean, the reason a lot of us know each other, and I think I've said this before. I think whenever I had either Rich or Tim, Rich Wilson or Tim McLeod on years ago, I told them on whenever they came on that. Baseball 365 would not exist without Prospect 361. Years ago, that's how most of us first learned about baseball dynasty leagues. And it's a podcast we all got into. And Rich Wilson's got a Patreon. And it's funny, about a month or two ago, a month or so ago, I was thinking to myself, you know, I think I'm ready to get into a third dynasty. And I asked you if you were planning on doing RM4, and you said no. And I thought, you know, if Rich Wilson was to set one up because he was doing them through his Patreon and he was to do it on fan tracks, I think I'd get it, get in one. And then the next day he made a post on Patreon that he was going to do one more. And I'm like, well, there's my sign. So I signed up for it. It is a five by five by week, like by week, by weekly. Well, I should say weekly lineups, but you can change your line. Um, I guess it's weekly. How do you do that? I guess it's bi-weekly because you change your lineup Mondays and Fridays. So it's a bi-weekly lineup. I think bi-weekly is like every two weeks, but I know what you I'm mean. Sorry. Yeah, you can Twice change it on Friday. Yes. Yeah. Just in the same way that you can for um, NFBC, which can you do pitching on Fridays in NFBC? Well, no, that's what I was going to say. So in this league, you can sub pitching on Fridays. Yes, correct. So that's yeah. a difference. Yeah. Okay. And then um, let's see here. What's the name of it? Did you say the name of it? A uh, yeah, P three sixty one Patreon Dynasty League Five. Okay, okay, is what it is. Cool. Uh, yeah. f- five by five with on base percentage instead of batting average, and the other quirk is saves plus half holds. So, in other words, you get gotcha. like two points. For, I think it's two points for a save and one point for a hold, something like that, or a save one okay. point and then half a point. So. Setup guys that are um, good setup guys, they can have some more value than normal. I, I actually really like that. I've, I've, I, my other, my non RM2 dynasty, my other one from five years ago, that one saves plus holds. And I kind of like that saves plus half holds. It gives a little more to the closure, but on the same note, gets a little bit, uh, you know, it gets something a little bit for the setup guy, even though it's not quite as much as the closer. So, yeah, Tim and, Tim and Rich's redraft, they do that, the 20-team redraft they run, and I, I kind of like it too. I yeah. still value the closers, but I kind of like it. Yeah. 
So I think that answers you all the, all the questions. There. Yeah. And then for the draft order, so you picked, so 15 teamer, you picked fifth. Um, how was that selected? Was it just random or did you have any say in it or? Nope. No say rich just completely randomly drew it and that was it. So I just fell into the five hole on it. How did you, how'd you feel about the five hole? Ecstatic. Um, it's funny. Yeah. I, this is my third dynasty startup that like I did one in 2016 that we actually did via auction. So this is my third snake draft dynasty startup. And in the very first one, which was RM2, our league, I finished, I picked first. And then in 2019, I picked third and here I am picking fifth. So I've drawn pretty well for these three. Yeah. Yeah. I know we were talking and I thought five was a pretty good spot to be. I was so. very happy with it because I looked at it and I was, you know, it's on base percentage. So that moves Soto up into that elite group. I like there's a he jumps up a little more, in my opinion, in a dynasty in in an OBP. And that kind of made it the big five as I was looking at it immediately, which, is, you know, the big five are Acuna, Julio, Witt, Soto, Carroll. And I, I basically was like, well, I guess I'm going to get one of those five. And right. what was funny is as I the more I thought about it, I'm like, wait a minute, in an OBP, I don't know if I want to have wit. So I really, as we were getting into this as it started off, I was thinking to myself, hopefully somebody in those first four picks takes wit. Because I just in my in my dynasty OBP um that started five years ago, I definitely built a very good base of strong OBP and I I don't know that I don't like starting off and having one of my core players be a weak OB on base guy. So that was kind of yeah. where we were there. I'll let you get to the question there as I kind of just started jumping ahead. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. I, I don't, I don't blame you at all with that. Um, just before we start going through it, any, like before the draft started, did you have any um, specific strategy or just in general, like how you approach it? Were you going to kind of just, pivot depending on what the room was doing or did you have like a set this is what i want to do like just kind of your approach to it and um kind of what you were thinking before the draft actually started well you and i are both very similar that our ideal way to do it is to go incredibly young go for the year two year three build where you're just drafting prospects you're loading up on youth and yeah you're not going to compete year one but you're going to build up a pretty good dynasty and that worked really well for me five years ago as everybody else was taking some bats that were mid to late 20s and arms. Um, I just went all I went incredibly strong youth. I was actually just looking at that mock draft before we started. And it was my rounds five through eight where these like I took Bo Bichette, Keston Hira, Alex Kirloff and Pete Alonzo. And yeah, that doesn't look as sexy today. Um, Bichette. And Alonzo both have moved themselves way up. And Keston here, I actually moved in a deal, a very, very lucky deal. And Kirilov the same to where they, you know, because those guys had value still, even though they didn't work out. Most of those guys I ended up trading. Actually, not one of those four is still on my team because I moved them in deals and ended up gaining better players. That it just, some things, it just kind of worked out that way. And I, wanted to go into this with a similar mindset of going youth, but I was not going to rule out going the win now build. And I've never done that before. 
And I kind of like, I'm intrigued by trying it because I feel strong enough in my ability to find prospects and return that I think it would be. And even as you get through the midway part of the draft, I think I could find enough prospects that would pop up that I think it would be fun to try that. So I was leaving myself open to either one. What I wasn't planning or wasn't going to do is play the middle game where you're going some young prospects and also some older players like that. Like I'm a firm believer in when you do one of these, you go one way or the other, but you don't go down the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I've always, I've always kind of said that. And I, I feel like when, and I don't, I don't want to make this like a blanket statement because it's not probably going to be every time. But I do feel like when you draft and throughout the first season of a dynasty league play hard to win the league in the first year, you're not going to be set up very well for the years beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. I've seen it essentially in every dynasty I've ever played in. The team that won the first season has fallen off every time. Definitely, and, uh, I mean, I, you, leagues. I definitely. you could say, I mean, you could say that, you know, obviously there's only the only way from first is down, you know, obviously. But I'm just talking like in some situations it's been stark, you know, and then there's also been times where I've seen guys try to go for it and it doesn't work. And then they're all of a sudden rebuilding and it, it's kind of messy. So, yep. um, yeah, I think you do have to pick a direction, but I'm with you. I tend to lean on the youth you you kind of have to play the room a little bit but we'll get into that um ready to get started through the draft here take it yep all right so first round i'll read off the first couple um but the first round so justin like i said was pick five uh pick one was to nobody's surprise ronald acuna (laughs) jr pick two julio rodriguez pick three bobby witt jr Pick four, Juan Soto. Pick five, Justin took Corbin Carroll. Six, Fernando Tatis Jr. Seven, Kyle Tucker. Eight, Shohei Otani. Nine, Ellie De La Cruz. Ten, Mookie Betts. Eleven, Gunnar Henderson. Twelve, Austin Riley. Thirteen, Spencer Strider. Fourteen, Freddie Freeman. And fifteen, Jackson Holiday. Um, so at five, you get Carroll. Is that kind of who you were hoping for, or I mean, start with was that who you were hoping for? Well, um, I was thrilled to get him. I would like once Wit went three, I was happy, but in my head, I was thinking, man, I'd love for Soto to go or Carol to go four, and I get Soto just because I think Soto's got that skill set that's going to age pretty well. And I mean, and so I was. I would have rather had Soto, but I was I was thrilled to get Carroll instead. And I mean, yeah, he's got the shoulder sublux. I I always struggle to say that word, but he's got the shoulder issue, and that could be an issue this year. But honestly, even if that's the case, I'm not competing this. So it it like if it's a problem for him this year, I'm sure he'll probably get it fixed after this year, and that's okay. I, I like this is not like the way the team worked out. Like I guess when I drafted I was I still wasn't sure which direction I was going but now that I'm sitting here looking at it later or further in I'm like probably like yeah I'm good with it because 
I didn't, and I went with a young team. Sto- spoiler alert, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so I do. I like. I wasn't as worried about a shoulder when I made that pick three weeks ago, as I've just read some more posts from people on Twitter are talking about it. I'm like, yeah, that could be more of an issue than I've given it credit for, which credit to you. You've been, you've been saying that since the beginning of the off season. And I, I wasn't as worried as you, but I've, my, my radar is a little more up than it was. Well, I mean, he could still go 25, 50, so I wouldn't yep. give me credit yet, but <laughs> that's true. Um, the nice thing with Carroll is like, you can you have options still, you know, like you could play for year one still, or play for the early part. You could go super young and he fits that. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I like it. That yeah. was something I meant to say is any of those fo- top five guys I, I took, I was le- the doors open for me to go whatever in round two. We've what, talked was your, about- what was your order for the top five? What, what order would you take them? Acuna, Julio, Soto, Carroll. And I don't know. Like the if if the first four went the way they did, I went back and forth on what I would do. If I had gone like I felt like if I took a Kyle Tucker or a Shohei Otani, I was probably going to be more likely to try to play for the now. So I I maybe have gone. I I don't know what I would have done if I had gone with. or gone yeah. went on and gone Otani or Tucker. I I was toiling with that. And thankfully, it didn't get to it. I had not really locked onto a decision yet, but those were the guys I was looking at. I mean, for T- Fernando Tatis is also awesome, and you know, coming off of a, you know, not a great year, coming back. I mean, it was still a very good year, just not what he was pre-injury, pre-positive um, test for steroids, but or whatever it was he was on. But, anyways, I wasn't certain. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you could still do like a year two build with Otani, but I, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, anything, anything stand out in the first round? Like anything that you were surprised by or wouldn't have done or any of that? Ellie at one nine surprised me a little. I thought he might go in the second round and, and I'm not even saying I hate the pick though. OBP could ding him a little. And the biggest surprise to me was one fourteen with Freddie Freeman. Um, if, I love Freddie Freeman, and I I still love him in redraft leagues. But a 35 year old first baseman that it I mean that's just begging for trouble in my opinion in terms of year two year three, and I probably wouldn't have gone Strider in the first either. I just I can't bring myself to my first pick being a pitcher, but Strider's also awesome, and you know that pick could totally look fine. Really, the only one that I'm like I really disliked was Freeman in the first. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. I, just, I, I couldn't take I couldn't take a thir- mid thirties guy with the, my first round pick no. in the dynasty. I just couldn't do it. I'll follow back up on um, that here. As awesome second. as he as yeah, as awesome as he is, I mean, I just couldn't do it. So, um, we'll move to uh, round two unless you got anything else from nope, round that, one. That's it from number one. So round two, going back the other way, we've got, and this will be the last round. I'll read off all the picks, but. Um, at 16, Wyatt Langford, 17, Trey Turner, 18, Vlad Guerrero Jr., 19, Michael Harris, 20, Jackson Churio, 21, Jordan Alvarez, 22, Matt Olson, 23, Francisco Lindor, 24, Aaron Judge, 25, Adley Rutschman, 26, Justin Took, friend of the podcast, 
kind of. Bryce Harper. My son. 27. 27. Uh, Raphael Devers. 28. Corbin Burns. 29. Corey Seager. And 30. Junior Caminero. Um, any idea, like, did, did you ever, I guess my best question here is, cause obviously it's a long wait till you get to 26 when you took Harper. Did you ever at any point, like think this is who I may get in that range or who, you know, kind of who you had, cause you're always thinking about those things a little bit, at least I would think, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, who you maybe would get or who you were targeting. I know you love Harper, but did you think he would get there? Any Anything like that, anybody that you want to highlight that went or if they went before or whatever? I was absolutely floored Bryce Harper was still there to me with the 11th pick in the second round. Absolutely floored in an on-base percentage dynasty league that he was still there. So I did not expect Harper to be there until about three to five picks before, and I'm just sitting there looking, and I'm like, I can't believe Bryce Harper is there because he's a 400. He's always lurking around 400 in the on-base department with, you know, I mean, I know he just had Tommy John surgery, but this is a guy who, in my opinion, I mean, now he's back. He showed the power was back at the end of the year. I'm not worried at all about that going forward. This is a 30 to 35 home run bat who is going to steal, you know, probably 10 to 15 bags and have a 400 on base percentage. And it's not like he's 34. Like, this is where I go back to Freddie Freeman. I don't know how you can justify Freddie Freeman over Bryce Harper. It just because of the four yeah. years of age difference. I They're close enough in talent. Right. I just don't understand it. Can, I think Harper's skill set ages. So wh- who else was I thinking about? Um the one thing I was thinking about as we were getting into the second round, I saw Langford go, I saw Churio go, and I was like, I would have loved to have gotten either one of those two guys. And then as they kind of went, I looked at about three different guys that I was real, three or four different guys I was really thinking about. Bryce Harper being one, but I didn't think he was going to get to me. Junior Caminero, he was probably the one I was thinking was most likely going to be my pick as we were in the midway into the second round. And then a third dark horse that I actually was maybe more thinking I might like I would love to have taken in the top of the third but he went the pick before me and the second was Adley Rutschman two catcher league and that guy's just such a monster OBP monster I would have loved to have gotten Adley gotten my a dynasty share of him so those were the guys I was looking at that either went right there or went right afterwards I would have loved to have gotten Cheerio I want to give some credit to a couple like like I absolutely loved the guy on the wheel going Jackson Holiday White Langford. Like that's a dream scenario for me if I'm doing a startup is being back on that wheel and doing something like that. And another one went Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Churio, and I loved that one too. Just going with the youth, especially once you miss out on the elite young bats, just go for the prospects and I loved that. And as it was getting back to me in the second round, I'm sitting there thinking I've got options here, and I really didn't expect Harper and Camonero to be there. So then I actually toiled on that one. Whenever it got to me at that pick, I'm like, oh, I prefer to go young, but I don't know if I can let Bryce Harper go here. And I eventually decided to go Harper. And honestly, I was sitting there thinking, maybe Camonero will make it back around because these guys all have studs 
that young studs also and he went but um you know Caminero went on the 215 so the guy that took it Acuna yeah yeah I I think he did the right thing and on the more I've thought about it I I think he did the right thing the for thing, sure yeah I've he's got, just, he, like you said he's, he's just such a beast and I think the point about Freeman to Harper with the four-year difference is a great point because this is and I kind of always think about this but like Okay, you know, some people will say, oh, age, age, whatever, like I want the better player. But it's like the difference between Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper is so small, even in a redraft league, mm-hmm. at, that Bryce Harper could easily outplay him this season, mm-hmm. easily, you know. And whatever difference you think is there, which I'll admit there's a difference, like Freeman goes higher in basically every draft, yep. but it's not much. And the one thing that we do know is that there's – the eight, the four year age gap. And it's like, like you said, it's like, why wouldn't you just take that and take the younger player as opposed to, you know, hoping that you're getting slightly better production. And if you're not, you've got the older player. It's just, yeah, that's, that's where I do think you have to factor in age a lot in these kind of drafts. Yeah. That guy went Trey Turner, Frey, Freddie Freeman there. And I just can't imagine what that's going to look like in year three, year four for those two guys. I mean, it's uh, like that's too. I mean, who knows? This guy could make a lot of deals and his team could look completely different, but could win the league year yep. or two, you know, so that that's nice, too. But it could also yeah, be pretty ugly. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Any uh, anything surprise you here? Anything that stood out or? that you wanted to mention with any of these picks. I know you mentioned Adley. I love him too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, any, anything else? Um, I'll go on and touch on the guy who took Acuna one and then took Caminero. And I'm just going to bring up, he took Albies at three, at three in the, yeah. at the first pick of the third round. And cause we're going to be jumping a little more, just talking about my team after this. If I, you know, 2017 was the RM2 startup and I had the first pick and I had Mr. Mr. Baseball Superman Mike Trout at 1-1. And a mistake I made was when it got back to me, Garrett Cole was still there. And as was a couple other like veteran studs. And instead I went Yoan Mankata and I went Christian Yelich which Yelich, I ended up trading about a week after the draft. And it was before Yelich turned into fantasy superstar Yelich that nobody nobody was seeing what was coming. But my point is, I wasted Mike Trout's best years not compete, not winning. And I'm not saying that drafting Camonero and Albies is not winning. But in my opinion, if you draft Acuna 1-1 in a dynasty league, he's isn't he like 25 right now? Does that sound about right? I think he's I think he's 26. Let's see here. So I'm pretty sure he's 26. Regardless, that means you're drafting a guy who you probably yeah, he's 26 years old. This is his prime right now and you got to you just got to shove in and try to yeah. win. And Jose Ramirez and Garrett Cole were both there. And if it was me, I would have just bam bam taken them both. And yep. you've got you've got arguably the best pitcher in baseball and another first round talent to go with Acuna, and you have such a leg up over everybody else in the league already with doing yep. that. So I think it, we didn't we talk about that at the two three turn. Yeah, we were uh, talking about that, right? 
you and me off it like not yeah we definitely talked about that i think you were yeah. the one that first said it and i was like i completely agreed with you yeah it just drops the hammer it's like good luck chasing this you know like uh, acuna jram and cole i mean yeah on, it's, i mean on the same note i do want to just talk about other teams i think that was a mistake they made too where even the teams that i love that went like gunner churio in the first few rounds went like a Rosarena Pablo Lopez with their 3-4. And the guy that went Jackson, Holiday, and Langford, which I loved those first two picks. Then he goes Pete Alonzo and Grayson Rodriguez. And I'm like, yeah, that's playing the middle too much. And I I mean, I I don't know. I think you once you once you go, a, like, you should go one direction or the other. Playing the middle is a very scary thing to do. And I'm not saying to draft Freddie Freeman in the first round, but I mean, once you take... Uh, like you got your superstars or your or your youth, just keep going that route. And yeah, actually, I'll stop there and then we'll circle back. Yeah, yeah. Too many people, all the time. I I feel like I see this all the time. Is just too many people trying to say, I want to win, but I also want to be young. And I want you know I want to have youth but i also want to win it's like they want everything and you really kind of do have to pick because the way that i look at it is there's 15 teams in the league somebody of those 15 is going hard for the title whether it be in the draft or in trades during the season or whatever it's like their focus is i want to win this league this season and somebody else in the league, you know, there's there's probably two owners, three owners, four owners, maybe, maybe more doing that. And then somebody else is going hard for the rebuild. Like they're not thinking at all about winning the league this season. They're going hard the other way. And if you just kind of go down the middle and you don't really pick which way you're going to go, to me, like, that's where you're going to finish. Barring some incredible run of luck or, you know, obviously anything can happen, but there's just always people going one way and always people going the other. And to me, it's like, you kind of have to pick a side because if you don't, (laughs) there's somebody out doing you on either end, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. That's just kind of how I kind of how I look at it, especially in a startup. So, yep. Completely agree. Um, Going into the next few rounds, and you know we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but your rounds three through five, you took, and I'm just reading Justin's picks now, not not the whole draft, but we'll probably highlight a few other picks. Um, Justin took Tristan Cassis in round three, so pick 35 overall. Jason Dominguez in round four, so that would be 56 overall. And Jordan Lawler in round five, um, 65 overall. Uh, Thoughts on these guys kind of in the spots you drafted them? Um, Just how you feel about each one of them. So I've taken Carolyn Harper through two, and I'm still leaving the door open to go either direction. Like, I know that Harper, he's like, that's that's the... I ended up going youth as you see here and I, but I also know myself well enough to know that a, now that I've made this decision with three, four, five, I'm going to go all in with the youth and I'm confident enough in my ability to get a trade out of Harper. That's going to be better, better than what I drafted him at. 
Like, even though I know how I went, I probably still would have done, I would have done things the same because I just thought Harper was too much of a value there. And whenever he's starting to crush in an OBP dynasty, I think I'm going to be able to get whatever I want out. Like, I'm going to get a great return out of him. But as I'm, that as it's getting back to me in the third round, I'm actually Jose Ramirez, Garrett Cole. I'm sitting there thinking if either one of those two guys are there for me in the third round, I am taking them and I'm going for it. I'm just that was my thought because once the two fifteen and three one turn happened and they were both still there, that were only three picks between me, my pick, and um, then so another and and unfortunately. In the two picks before mine, Colin Ramirez went. So that kind of threw me off. I, I, I was because I didn't really see somebody that I was like, okay, this is an obvious pick once those guys were gone uh, with the youth. Like, I could go for possibly Dylan Cruz. That was something that was like he went that round, but I really thought maybe I'd, he'd be able to slip back to me unless one of these guys that went all in on prospects took him. So I just went case. Yeah, I was going to say, who. Who would you have taken if it wasn't Cassis there that went after? Uh, any, any idea? I think it might have been Cruz. Yeah. Because I don't know. Like, none of the major leaguers that went the rest of that round were would have would have been somebody I would have been after. Royce Lewis. I, just, I mean, yeah, it was, Ro- it was Luis Robert, Matt McClain. This is after the Cassis pick. Luis Robert, Matt McClain. Randy Rosarena, Royce Lewis, Bo Bichette, Pete Alonzo. Yeah, and I just don't think any of those guys were guys I was looking at. I mean, even going into the next round, Simeon, O'Neill Cruz, C.J. Abrams, Trout. Those are the bats that went. And I'm not taking any of the arms. Um, I'm just I'm not doing it, especially once I decide I'm going young. I'm avoiding arms pretty much like the plague. And so, yeah, I think it would have been Cruz, but I, I love cases 24 year old that I really think is about to become Pete Alonzo and um, it's OBP, which helps him even more. Yeah. Why are you avoiding arms like the plague? You want to explain that? Okay. Let's talk about that. I actually, right before we started recording, I pulled open the draft for my 2019 startup and I'm just going to start listing off the pitchers that went in the first five rounds here. You ready for this? I have not even oh, told you these names. I am, I am so ready. <laughs> Blake Snell. Oh, wait, wait. This is, this is your... 2019 is your, Dynasty Startup. Your picks? No. Or the whole, these are the whole the, This is the whole draft. I'm going to go through the first six rounds, actually. Jeez, okay. I could just keep going. I'm looking at seven, eight. <laughs> I mean, it's... Are these in order? Are I'm they... about to read them to you in order. I'm going to go through. 114, okay. Blake Snell. 2-2, Aaron Nola. Those hold up well. 2-4, uh, Chris Sale. 2-7, Jacob deGrom. 2-12, uh, Max Scherzer. Then third round, we got Luis Severino. Garrett Cole. There's a good one. 3-6 was Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Walker Bueller. Corey Kluber at 3-9. Clayton Kershaw, 3-10. Bauer at 11. J- Jamison Tyon at 3-13. Carlos Carrasco at 4-5. Now we're into the fifth round. Jose Barrios, Justin Verlander, Mike Clevenger, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg, who threw one year and has not been seen since. Madison Bumgarner, Patrick Corbin. That's your fifth round. Sixth round. Forrest Whitley, Luis Castillo, Jesus Lazardo, Herman Marquez. Seventh round. Zach Wheeler. Looks good. 
James Paxton, Mike Fulte Nevich, and then eighth round. And then I'm going to stop because I have to yeah, choose to yeah. stop at some point. Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer, Michael Kopech. And no, there's one in the ninth round, Zach Greinke. So, oh my God. That is yeah. the pitching that went in a dynasty startup five yeah, years ago. I, I've actually joked about this and I, it's, it's part, it's like kind of a joke, but I could see myself doing this someday is if it's a 50 round startup drafting my first 41 rounds, all that. <laughs> yep. I could see myself doing it. Yep. And I'm not saying that I would, or, you know, and, we could get into like asset talk versus like what you're, you know, filling positions. We could talk all night about it, but it really is just like minimizing risk with pitchers where it's, I mean, they break, there's all, there's a million reasons why they, they can drop off and there will be some that don't, but it's like, you don't know as much as you think about which ones those will be in the moment. You know, we all have our opinions and guys we like, but like talent doesn't equal health, you know, and man, some of these guys just get hurt and they're not the same. And Noah Syndergaard, I mean, my God, you I know, mean, it's just perfect example. But. Brutal. And that dynasty startup, I'm a three, I've won the championship the last three years in a row. One of them, my, my buddy Kando ran for me whenever I was away, but I did not take my first pitcher in that startup till round 30 in that draft. Taiwan Walker was the first starting pitcher prospect or major leagues I took. Yeah. And, and it sounds funny. Some people will probably be like, Oh my gosh, well, how do you get pitching? Well, you use your excess bats to trade for it. Like that's what, right. And it's very easy to fill like a few pitching slots. Once that time comes, you know, as opposed to just taking Noah Syndergaard and then he breaks and falls apart and you could have traded for, a pitcher of that level or, you know, what we thought he would be the level he would be with your extra bats that you have, because you have so many bats that everybody wants. It's just, so yeah, I'm totally on board with you. I just had to mention it. So we get some explanation in there because um, I, th- I just think it's important to note. Some people might be like, Oh, why are you avoiding it? Like the plague, but that that's why I totally get it. It's so. a process. I mean, that's mind blowing to sit there and look at that 2019 startup. And oh, it those is. Pictures. Yeah. It's mind. You know, what's funny. You know, what's funny is we'll look back at this draft in five years and it'll be the same way. Yep. Like these pitchers that are, that went high and don't get me wrong. They look great right now, but that's the thing is it's like in the moment, you know, like already and I already, I know this is bad luck, it's bad luck for people that have him a redraft. I have him in a league. Kyle Bradish mm-hmm. went the 10th pick of the sixth round in this dynasty startup, and he's having UCL issues right now. Yep. Now, hopefully he's fine, but it's just another reason, you know? Like, this stuff doesn't happen as frequently with hitters. So Kodai Singa yeah. is also just, having Oh, like, yeah, that's another behind. one. Yeah. There's six pick, yep. second round, six – I'm sorry. And this draft, this draft just happened like two weeks ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So yeah, you can imagine what it looks like after a few years. It's just, yeah, it, I totally get it. I, I, I truly feel like there is an argument for just pushing the pitching all the way down. But I know that there's temptations at various points throughout the draft. Yep. Um, so I get that too, but. So I'll anything touch on, else you want to highlight? Yeah. We didn't, we didn't talk about Dominguez Lawler. Oh yeah. Um, Between my case's pick 
and the fourth round, there were not it, like that's where like the prospects stopped getting taken. Um, I was hoping Dylan Cruz might get back to me. He didn't. But the only prospect that went between Cruz and my pick of Dominguez was Paul Skeens. So then I'm sitting there and I'm between Dominguez and Lawler there in the, uh, what is that, the fourth round. And I honestly was wondering which I thought would be more likely to get back to me because I thought it was that close. And I took Dominguez and Lawler was still there for me in the fifth. Probably wouldn't have mattered, but at this point I'm ecstatic and I'm already thinking that there's a good chance I, I ship Harper out at some point. But even if not, like, I'm just thrilled because I got the two prospects I wanted there. So at this point, I'm very happy with where it is. And what I loved about them is both those guys got into the major leagues at the end of last year. So they're guys that can go into major league slots right now, not be doing anything for me in the early going. Dominguez is going to be on the IL. Lawler's pro- I think Lawler's going to be starting the year in the minors. and But they're not taking up minor slots, which just allows me to continue just plug like filling prospect slots as i go yeah 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 i liked i liked those two picks i know we've talked a lot about dominguez and lawler they're both like those up the middle type guys that should have long careers ahead of them and can do everything so yeah definitely love those dynamic both of them um anything else like with these other picks that you like didn't like for other guys, I mean, I think yeah. I've kind of touched on the ones I didn't like, which are the guys that went really young and then all of a sudden went veteran, like some veterans in there. Um, yeah, two, I don't mind taking veterans if that's like if that's the path you're taking. But when you start with Jackson Holiday yeah. and Wyatt Langford, you don't need to be taking veterans at that point. <laughs> or um, same with Gunner and Churio. I just don't think that. Take going and taking guys like a Rosarena and pa- and Pablo Lopez, and I love Pablo Lopez, but you know that guy's had that had in- injury issues, and just like any pitcher could at any point. I mean, I just go one way or the other. You mean you mean if you took uh, Holiday and Langford, you wouldn't take Andres Munoz in round nine like this? No, no, <laughs> no. I noticed that a lot of. Uh... A lot of the closers went in like rounds eight and nine. It was like a huge run of them. Holy yes, they cow. did. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, go to we'll go to uh, round six through ten here, and that was kind of that part. But um, Justin's picks in those rounds, he went uh, William Contreras in round six, uh, Gavin Williams in round seven, Chase DeLauder round eight, Roman Anthony round nine, and Kobe Mayo round ten. Uh, any thoughts on these players specifically? I know we got to touch on Gavin. Both we both love him, and obviously he he bucks the thing that we were talking about with <laughs> with hitters versus pitchers. But to your credit, the next pitcher you took <laughs> was in round twenty one, which is a guy so, who's already had Tommy, who's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Yeah, it's arguably <laughs> we'll the best in closer in baseball, but. Yeah, um, anything with any of these guys, or it, really anything in this these rounds, but your picks and any of the others. Yeah, I'm mostly going to try to touch on my own from here, but uh, Contreras is a stud, and, you know, I didn't have this guy that was just jumping out to me there. And an on-base percentage, his auction value based on steamer projections for 2024, they're basically the same as Adley's. I just love that this is a guy who plays every day 
and I think he's going to be around a while. Like I'm not drafting him for 2024, but I just, I don't know. He feels like one of those guys that's going to age and be around like age well at the position. And if, if anything else, he's the second best catcher in, in, in my opinion, in in fantasy right now. And he'll be like, I think I could, he'd be a strong trade asset if, I mean, I, so, I'm, someone's going to have to pay to get him. I'm not going to just sit there and trade him cheap. And I think that's another mistake many do is if they decide they're going to, like they play the middle or and it doesn't go right. The wor- like the biggest mistakes that I've seen teams ruin themselves. Oh, please, pre- please preach this, which I think you're about to say. And if not, I'm going to say it. If go it ahead. doesn't go well for them, they just decide to sell and they sell cheap. And then all of a sudden they've set themselves back three three years. Like I got a buddy in that 2019 startup. Um, I guess I have the draft right in front of me. Let's see when he took Justin Verlander because I could actually tell you what I was gonna. What I was gonna say real quick. I'll let you get back to that. Is when people put somebody on the block, uh-huh. or they get it in their head, I'm gonna trade this guy. They put him on the block, and then no matter what, they trade him. Because they can't resist not making a trade, even when immediately, yeah, often it's immediately. And even when they have no clue, I feel like they have no clue if it's the best offer. I can't tell you how many times I've seen trades that I push through and I'm like, man, I would have given that guy so much more. But they just didn't try, you know, or didn't seem to shop them at all, felt rushed. All of that stuff, you know, so. Yep, my buddy. Yeah, my, I feel my like buddy, way too many people do that. My buddy who had the two pick in that dynasty startup five years ago, he, his first four picks were Mookie Altuve, Seager, Eugenio Suarez, and Justin Verlander in the fifth. And his team did not go the way he hoped, and he was falling out of it midway through, and he basically gave Justin Verlander away. It was a bad deal. Right away when I saw it, I told him afterwards, I'm like, man, I think you could have got a lot more. I think you got in too big of a hurry. And he ended up selling a lot of those parts. None of them are really with him anymore. And it just, his team has yet to get out of the hole that they were in. And it was because he got in too big of a hurry moving those guys and all now and set himself back. And he's yet to recover, which he's got some youth. He's on the way up now. But yeah, that's just, you can, it's a big mistake many make. Yeah. And one thing too with like the youth. And the young hitters is the nice the nice thing about them. And I, I feel like this is obvious, but I also want to say it. It's just you have so many trade partners when you have especially young major leaguers. Um, I wouldn't say quite as many, maybe depends on the league um, with prospects. Because I do feel like it depends on the context with like owners and stuff. Like some people really value prospects some people don't care at all until they're about to break into the bigs um some value super high upside that's far away some don't value that at all it's just it does vary a lot but uh if you have a young major leaguer which should always be like young major league bats or what you want in dynasty you essentially can trade with anybody you know with the more of that that you have so just things to keep in mind. Any more thoughts on uh, yeah, well, Gavin Gavin and the prospects? Yeah, Gavin is the one and only pitcher I took in the first 20 rounds. I do not like building around starting pitcher. Too much changes, but 
I we're both on the same team here, which is Gavin's going to become an ace. And as a seventh round pick, I think he's worth the upside. If it doesn't work out, if his elbow blows out, it's not the end of the world. But I think that there, I think he's going to be more valuable than he than a seventh round pick a year from now. And if my if I feel like my rebuild isn't going as quick as I had hoped, I probably can trade him for better than this. I'm just on board with him being coming an ace. So I that's the one and only that I took the run at there. Um, and that's when my prospect run began. Uh, starting at round eight, I took a prospect with zero major league experience in 12 of the next 13 rounds with the only MLB guy being Zach Neto, Neto who has less than one year of MLB experience. Uh, DeLauder, Anthony, Mayo, all big upside, all about a year from debuting, could debut at the end of this year. If not, probably like early next year seems like the a safe bet. The strategy worked well for me in the 2019 startup. I already read off those picks. I'm going to go back down that well here. And I was on my own. In rounds 8 through 10, only one other prospect went, with that being Jackson Job. So I was definitely zagging while everybody or while everybody else was zigging here. Yeah, and that's the best. I mean, if you can do what you did and what you're going to be doing in like the next 10 rounds we're about to get to and not too many other people, if, if any are doing it, that's the best. Cause you're obviously getting more of those guys. So yeah, I got every one of them um, at this point. I was basically what, getting, what'd you I think? Wanted. Yeah. Right. For your strategy. Yeah. What, um, any thoughts on the, the closers going here? Did you think that, they're too high or about right or I mean if you're trying to win it, but. if you're trying to win now most of like especially the elite ones I think they're fine like getting Edwin Diaz, Josh Hader, Devin Williams in the 8th round especially if you're playing to win now I think it's fine and but on the same note those could also look ugly in a couple of years just like all the rest of these but pictures that we were just talking about but I mean I I I honestly wasn't paying a lot of attention I was just glad people kept grabbing those arms i mean there were so many arms that went between rounds four and round nine if you look at it it's just a sea of yellow on that that board so i'm just like not they're more like i'm thrilled they're doing it and i know some of them are probably looking at what i'm doing and thinking i'm crazy because i mean i just read off my four like my what was it rounds eight what was that other draft rounds um pulling it up right now my five through eight being Bichette, Kira, Kira, Kirilov, Alonzo. Then I went um, Austin Meadows. Some of those didn't hit. But the thing is, and this is something you and I have talked about, people still are going to value them for a little while. And I ended up turning every one of those guys, trading them, and they turned into better things because they just kept moving up in stock as they were working their way up and getting closer. While some of these other arms were all of a sudden getting hurt and their stock was going down. So just the stock of my team was getting lifted and then I made some good deals and it just, it worked out well for me. So I couldn't have been happier with how these rounds were going right here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. Uh, I actually don't mind if, if that's what you're going for. I don't mind taking the very elite closers, but I mm-hmm. think like, you know, Hater, uh, Edwin Diaz, Devin Williams, um, maybe one or two others, but 
One thing that Ian Khan preached to me years ago, and Ian is, if not the best dynasty player I've ever played with, he's right there. Probably, probably is. Um, but he always said this, and it's so true. The elite relievers have a lot of value in dynasty. The elite closers. And the rest of the closers basically don't have any value. Yep. Because they can be had cheap. And it, well, the other thing is, is they get replaced. That's that's a lot of the reason. Because what happens is, is you know, you see Hader and Diaz and Devin, you know, these certain guys are at the top every year. And the other guys, they're just they're in that ninth inning until they're not because they're replaced. You know, it's just so many of those jobs, they just cycle. I mean, and when you're investing a pick here, like, you know, like I'm okay with Hader or Diaz in round eight, but like Jordan Romano round nine, Jordan Romano is dealing with, yeah, el- right. like, wasn't he the, having shoulder problems last year? David Bedner, David Bedner round 10, Rice Iglesias round 12. Who sucked. And like, then like, he was struggling too. you know, I mean, and I'm not saying those guys aren't good closers, but yeah, I kind of look at, I look at everything in. Um, just pure value. And um, I think in a lot of spots you have to say, would I trade this guy for that guy? I kind of evaluate it that way too, but it's tough. I remember in the RM3 startup, I took a Roldis. I want to say it was in round eight or nine. And I remember thinking I wouldn't trade him for any of these guys on the board. And it was, you know, it was when he was a late closer. And uh, that that even didn't work. And I felt like I was getting great value. Yeah, you know, so did the same thing with Kinley. Just yeah, I I think that that's um, just something something to be aware of. So and the, the more that- of these young hitters, the more of these young hitters that you take through these rounds, it, it's like people right now might be like, "What are you doing?" But then you also like look back on this and I I've say this with trades too. It's like, don't always judge them the minute that they're made. Look back on them a year later. I can't tell you how many times I go through the league archives and I look at old trades. I do it a lot. And there's times where I'll go, Oh, I thought that one was bad when they made it, but that wound up being okay. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Or, or, Oh, that one seemed really even, but Oh my God, it turned out terrible. You know, but you, you don't think about it in that sense. And a draft is the same way. I, in that same draft, I took a roll. This I got Jordan in like round eight, and I mean, look how good that looks. You know, it's just. But at that time, he was just a prospect. I mean, so yeah, good to load up on the bats. Sorry yep. to go on. That's all. I I didn't. I any, didn't have anything there. Any other, any other thoughts with the uh, the other picks on the other teams, or you just want to move down your? Let's just move on. I think. I, yeah. I think we've talked enough about like you know the zigging and zagging that's going on, and some guys play in the middle, but I mean. Yeah, I didn't really have any strong thoughts on anything else there. I think you touching on the closes was a good conversation. Um, so then we'll go into the next 10. And I'll just read off Justin's picks from rounds 11 through 20. And you can just talk about whoever you want. Uh, Jet Williams in round 11. Marcelo Mayer in round 12. I have a feeling I influenced that one. Uh <laughs> Sam Basallo in round 13, Zach Neto in round 14, Xavier Isaac in round 15. Um, oh, shoot. Sorry. I just closed out the picture. Uh, Drew Jones in round 16, 
Emmanuel Rodriguez in round 17, Drew Gilbert in round 18, Lazaro Montez in round 19, and Spencer Jones in round 20. So it's pretty clear what uh, what you're doing at this point. <laughs> feel free to t- feel free to talk about uh, whoever you want, but youth, yeah, that's a nice run of bats there. Youth, youth, and youth. I mean, I love this run, and I think that this is. I can't wait to look back at this in about three years and just look at what that is. And I know some of them are not going to hit, but then again, some of them, like a lot of them, might have been moved already too. Uh, I love Jet yeah. Williams. Very patient approach, walks as much as he strikes out in the minors. I feel like he has the upside of like a Starling Marte, except I think the upside could even be better just because Jet draws walks better than Marte ever did, working working his way up through the mi- minors and ever in the majors. I think he could be a 15 to 20 home run bat with 30 plus steals there when he hits his power peak, a good batting average and on base percentage. I just, I love Jet. Uh, a guy I was mad at myself for missing out on in first year player drafts last year. I liked his profile, but was just getting back into the game. Wasn't aggressive enough on him, despite feeling I liked him more than where he was ranked at and like by on a lot of lists. And he might be one of those guys who I think he could still hold catcher eligibility for a few years being like a first base DH who catches on days. Adley's not playing, especially once McCann's gone and he's up. I think that there's a chance that could happen. And I was sitting there thinking about how fun it would be if I actually had landed Adley in the second, and there could have been a time where my catchers were both Basalo and Adley, with both of them, you know, yeah. playing playing other positions on their off days. I just thought it was a funny thought there. Um, got a few more hulking corner infielders with Mayo, Xavier Isaac, Lazaro Montez, all big power upside guys. Uh, yes, you get credit for Lazaro along with Meyer, Spencer Jones, Drew Jones. I, like those are guys you mentioned. I went and looked them up, and I, I, I like the profiles. I waited a little longer than I think you were thinking uh, on Lazaro, but anyways, um, so I wouldn't say you made the picks, but I took them earlier than a lot of rankings had them. With you mentioning why you'd take them earlier, I thought you had good points, especially on Mayer and Jones. Mayer was playing really well before a shoulder injury in may and when i i read in baseball america the prospect handbook like one evaluator one evaluator told them that he could emerge as a freaking monster and then drew jones had a disaster of a year last year but the tools are still there and maybe this pick doesn't work out but the upside makes it worth the shot 55 power and 65 run gate grades in that prospect handbook tools are still there just needs to have a healthy season and you know he could shoot back up ranks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, and again, I, I always look at this like just in terms of pure value. And I think that too many people make the mistake of saying like, Oh, I need a catcher. And then they just take a catcher or trade for a catcher or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the situation is at the time that isn't as good because that's just filling a slot on their roster. Like here, yep. here's a perfect, this is actually the most perfect example I can see in this draft. And we all know Spencer Jones is my guy. He was my guy last year in the FYPD drafted him where I could missed him by one spot in RM three. Um, but got him in the other two and was targeting him essentially everywhere, you know, um, Elias Diaz, the catcher for the Rockies, oh, yeah. went three picks ahead 
of Spencer Jones in this draft. And I can tell you this right now, a thousand times out of a thousand, I'm not making that trade. I mean, like, and that's how I view all of it. I just, that's how I'm always looking at it, you know? And I could go through way more examples, but I happen to notice that because I am high on Spencer Jones, admittedly, but Elias Diaz in the 20th round? The and that's the thing. That's the thing is, like, people will say that these prospects can bust, but what do you think? You don't think Elias Diaz can bust? I mean, that's, you know? they The Rockies know you have know, a prospect catcher. explain it. And Drew Romo, who might be up and starting for them by the end of the year. Elias Diaz might be a backup catcher by the end of this year. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the risk is, like, that's possible. Yeah, I'm never making, never, ever. If I needed a catcher <laughs> and somebody said, I'll, will you give me Spencer Jones? I would literally just log off of laugh. You know, like, that's just ridiculous. I would think know? if I so, tried going out to seek Elias Diaz in, like, RM2 right now, the cost probably, if I offered a third or fourth round pick, probably gets it done. At least if the guy, if Elias Diaz is an, a, an extra piece for them right then. It's more than I'd give. Yeah, I, like that. Exactly. <laughs> I think. Same, same. Yeah. And I'm talking sup pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those where with guys like that, it's got to be an in-season need and the guy is playing well. Yeah. You know, then then maybe I'm doing it. But uh, I just noticed these things throughout the draft because I think some people get it in their mind that the major leaguers just won't bust either. You know, and there's just less upside generally because that's what more people are drafting. And it depends on the room, too. I mean, a lot of you know, if you had three other guys in this draft doing the same thing you were. Yeah, you wouldn't have probably got as good a prospect, so maybe it looks different. But yep, you got um, you got to pay attention to what other people are doing. And I was happy to zag, but even from the get go, if I had seen two or three guys just sucking up prospects there before it got back to me in the second and third round, I was willing to go the other direction. I don't want to play the middle, but I and I definitely was willing to. You got to see what everybody else is doing and. Even then, if you're one of the two or three guys, yeah, you won't have as many great prospects, but you can still build a pretty good team of them. Yeah, yeah, and I love the Drew Jones pick, too. I'm, I know we talked about that one, but again, there's other guys in that round where I'm just kind of looking at them and I'm like, I would just rather have the upside, you know? Mm-hmm. So, All right, so obviously, you know, through 20 rounds, essentially the – the starting rounds, but I didn't even want to really break it down like that because of the way that you drafted. It's like the starting rounds don't really matter that much because so many of them are going into prospects. So for the rest of it, um, I don't really, I'm not going to read them all off. If you, you know, if you want to touch on any of them, you know, whoever, really whoever you want to talk about kind of your strategy as you're filling it out, when are you looking at pitching major leaguers, you know, specific, are you kind of, picking your spots. I know you took Felix Batista in round 21, which I like that a lot uh, just as a stash, especially when you're going prospect heavy. Cause I mean, you could have an elite closer in a year that you took in round 21 and the other guys that got an elite closer had to take them in round eight. It's all so about stocks. If Yeah. If you're punting year one, which you clearly are, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely like that pick. I, I think I probably would have jumped even sooner. So 
credit to you for holding out and still getting them. Yep. It's all about stocks. That's the way I was looking at it. I mean, for the, for the first 20 that we just talked about. And even as I'm going through here and this like round 21 is where I started grabbing some major league players. Uh, most of them being guys. I felt like I was buying low on that. There was some upside injured pitchers. I took Felix Batista. Um, I took Jeffrey Springs in round 25 drew Rasmussen in round 31. Kate Cavalli later on Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers, all injured pitchers that, have pitched have either had the potential like Cavalli's was a high ranked prospect or guys that you know pitched at a pretty high level before the injury and yet those guys may not come back and be healthy and be what they were but I got them late enough that it's worth the shot it's it's just like taking a prospect pitcher in my opinion uh, as for MLB experience bats buying uh, I took Sedan Raffaella who can waste a spot in the majors even if he isn't up to start the year. Garrett Mitchell was a trendy bat at this point a year ago after a strong finish to the 2022 season. He had a strong spring training last year and he was very buzzy like during spring training. And then he hurt his shoulder a week into the season. Wasn't back till September. Still an 80 grade runner who has a decent walk rate working his way up through the minors. If he can hold down an every uh, everyday job, he can have value. I continued to draft prospect bats. A lot of guys that are in the first year of player drafts this year. I, I like this is a strong class, and I grabbed a bunch of guys that I loved from it. I got Brock Wilkin, Aiden Miller, Plino Santana, George Lombard, uh, Joey Formello, Blake Walters, J- Josh Joshua Noth. Just a lot of guys from that first year player draft that I really like. I grabbed a bunch of them. Other MLB players I felt I could buy low. Uh, Cutter Crawford who the underlying the underlying data likes. I, I, that's another guy I think can, can be a breakout. Did you say Did you say you got him? You got Crawford? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, you did. Round 24. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that's one of those the guys. Color, the color threw me off because it's RP color. I was looking for the <laughs> oh, yellow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Joe Adele, it was round 38, and he was still there. And it's crazy. Actually, I was trying to remember. I know he went in the, like, I'm looking right now. He was a fifth round pick in that dynasty startup five years ago. I was thinking yeah, that was I second took him, or third round. I took him in, I think it was round four of RM3. And it was definitely my, my worst pick. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and I don't expect it to work out, but in round 38, and he's just now like, he might get a chance to finally get a chance to actually play every day this year. And I can hold him for two years just in case anything yeah. ever pops. Uh, Joey Manesis, I've kind of gotten on on him. Um, struggled last year with a knee injury. Maybe he's healthy and can be closer to that 2022 breakout player. Uh, Steven Matz, Michael Kopech were two more that I took late that I just... There's some potential there. Kopech might actually be best served if he actually was put in the bullpen and made a closer. He could become an elite one. But um, if that doesn't work out, whatever. I took him incredibly late. Matz... You and I have both talked about, you know, the underlying data says he was better than he was last year. So with them. And finally, I took Trevor Bauer and Julio Julio Urias. Bauer in round 35, Urias in round 59, so the second to last. Bauer I really felt was 50-50 that he'd get signed by somebody before opening day. And every day that passes, I do think that number is shrinking. But I'm still taking the shot, fine taking the shot when I did. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. It, you know, it's a 35th round pick, but it's, yeah. like, it's like a lottery ticket, I almost feel like. 
and Urias, I'm less confident he signs, but at round 59, there was nothing left. Why not take the chance with a major league slot? And I might be able to hold on to him for a full calendar year. It just depends because I've got so many injured pitchers that are going straight to the IL that I've got a lot of open slots over there. So just depends on how many guys I pick up during the year. But I don't know if even one of those two is pitching in the big leagues in the next calendar year, I'll call that a victory. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, again, when, <clears throat> when you're not too worried about like the immediate now um, or immediate future next year, the next year, whatever you want to talk about it, it's very easy to just kind of hoard um, guys like Rasmussen and Springs and Urias and Bauer and McCullers, you know, you can just afford to wait because it's like they obviously have talent and all it takes is a team signing them or them getting healthy, whichever the case. And, you know, that's um, Luis Garcia, too, I see. Yeah, that's, you know, you're getting value out of that pick a lot of times if, you know, once that happens. So they're, those guys just tend to grow in value quite a bit. Here's one uh, thing I need one- to well, I, sorry, I got one thing I, I didn't write down in my notes, but I definitely want to bring up a mistake that I hear a lot of times people make as they're drafting, especially as they're filling up their farm, is they're thinking about positions. Like I got to get myself my two catchers so that those are my two catchers for three years from now, whenever I'm there up or whatever else. I gave paid zero attention to that. And yeah, I ended up with more corners like first baseman than I usually do. And that wasn't something where I was seeking them out. It just kind of was the way the draft went. But, like, my prospect, I, like, when I did the startup five years ago, it was pretty much all shortstops and outfielders. It, like, I remember noticing that. And I only have four prospect pitchers along with no major league pitchers. I've got a ton of outfielders on this team. And I'm, I'm just not even paying attention to positions. Like, that is something that people yeah. can make the mistake of – maybe not taking the best prospect player there. They're more thinking about trying to fill up and maybe they're taking the fifth best player on their own if they were making a list. But that guy's a second baseman and they don't have a second baseman because you know what? Matt Shaw might be a second baseman on fan tracks right now, but uh, two years from now, he might be a shortstop. He might be a third baseman. You just don't know for sure. Or like any of those, you don't know where these guys are going to be. Don't worry about positions as you're drafting. Just until you're competing and you're actually in your window just let it be yeah it doesn't matter i mean the best the best prospects play shortstop you know like in in the infield it's like if somebody's a second base only prospect that's a ding right there you know so a lot of times what happens is all the best guys are playing short and then they move because you know if they have a strong arm they may move to third you know, not as strong of an arm. They move, move to second. If they've still got their athleticism, they can move to the outfield. But that's the thing with shortstops is they can always play somewhere. Um, I mean, we're seeing it with Gunner right now. He was a shortstop, and now he's a third baseman. But he's yep. going to be just fine. And, you know, as long as the bat plays, I don't think it matters. And, you know, it's nice when they stay up the middle. But, yeah, I've got I've got tons of shortstops rostered on every dynasty team. It's just kind of the way to do it, I feel like, because – once you start boxing yourself into the corners, it just gets a little harder. Not that the not that guys can't work out there, but it's just uh, there's a lot less wiggle room. I feel like so. One thing I know, one, yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing I noticed, two picks that I am just really confused by. <laughs> Hopefully, Eamon, they're not mine. 
No. Imanaga in round 12. Okay. Is a 30-year-old pitcher, which, again, we've talked. We actually were just talking about him yesterday, but he's never even pitched in the bigs. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. And Verlander in round 15. Ooh, let's see this Verlander is, pick. I just took Verlander in round 12 of a redraft league. Like, and I'm and I'm even kind of like, eh, it's a little risky, but uh-huh. it's kind of worth it here. But this is a dynasty, you know? I Yeah, I yeah, can't get behind obviously. that one at all. Uh, you know what's odd with the Verlander? And this is the mistake I was talking about in terms of guys playing the middle. When you go up and down that guy's team specifically, he took Otani and Lindor in the first two rounds, which I wouldn't take Lindor at that spot in the second either, given it's on base. I like Lindor a lot, but... Yeah. I just I'm I'm not there's no way I'm taking Lindor ahead of Bryce Harper again just that was like yeah. I I counted about six to eight guys that I would have taken Harper over Lindor was one and then he went Dylan Cruz in the third round I love Dylan Cruz but I don't know if you're taking Otani and Lindor if Dylan Cruz is like the next guy to take there and maybe you don't think uh, you don't think Dylan Cruz and Justin Verlander's primes line up <laughs> and he took Sebastian Walcott in round 12 like three rounds before Verlander that's just there's too much of that yeah. play in the middle there and yeah I, I, ju- I mean maybe it'll it, maybe this guy will make some deals and it's gonna work out real well but it's just not the not my style for building and I've seen that go bad yeah one thing I want to mention before I forget is when you do the strategy that you did and i know you know this but i'm just explaining you're gonna have to make trades yep like you're not and you don't draft these prospects because you're just gonna sit on them forever and wait until they're like a fully formed big leaguer and because they're not all gonna be great and that is clear to anybody that's paying attention Um, it's more like just building in assets, you know, and like some of these guys, they're, they're either not going to make it or they're going to make it and disappoint. And the nice thing is, is you have all this, these trade ships and you can evaluate them like individually. Um, and people are, but I think it, I think it is important just to say that because if, if you do this and you tackle the young guys, you've got to be ready to like start diving in and making moves. You're going to have to make trades. You can't, if you sit on all of these guys, the team won't look as good if, you know, if you're not making any moves. So have to say that because I feel like it's self-explanatory, but at the same time, there are owners that don't make a lot of trades or don't, you know, they just don't get as involved with that. And that's okay. But if I, I would say that if you know that you're like that, don't draft this way because it's going to be, it's just going to make it even harder on yourself. You know, if, if you know you're that way, I would say to go more for the now and to try and just slowly build your farm system up. But yeah, um, yeah, just thoughts on that. So, like I said, those, those four guys I took there front rounds five through eight, five years ago, not one of them's on my team still. And I really wasn't seeking out trades with them, but people would just come to me and I was getting to know people. And like one guy I knew loved um, Pete Alonzo, who I, who I took. And one day I was having a conversation with him and I realized that he viewed Pete Alonzo and Bryce Harper pretty much equally. 
in that in that OBP dynasty five years ago. And once I realized that, <laughs> I'm like, so like, and there's a guy. I, I made a deal and I ended yeah. up with Bryce Harper. I, I don't remember if I tossed a small piece on top or not, but it was pretty much Harper for Alonzo. And you just, you know, I eventually got older as I was going and just finding the deals and you, you talk to people and you find out what they value and you make those deals whenever it's something that you're like, I feel differently. You just got to be able to have those conversations and yeah. eventually be willing to push those guys. Because you're yeah, gonna you're gonna definitely. have a lot of bats. You're gonna have to eventually move them to get you know superstar major leaguers, or you're gonna have to get the pitchers. What would you What would you say were your favorite and least favorite picks on your own team? <sighs> I've talked a lot, two, about, just like two or two or three each. Um, I've talked a lot about guys I've taken already, so I'm just going to mention a few prospect arms that I took later in the draft that I haven't talked about yet. Christian Scott in round 26 and Takoa Roby in round 29. I didn't pay the top price for the elite prospect arms, but I took a few that I think could be up this year and be solid major league arms. I think that those guys could be very good major league pitchers, and I really like the profile for each of them. Took Walters and Noth in the RM2 subdraft this year, too. I love the Brewers org for developing pitchers. And Walters has some real breakout potential. I saw multiple people saying that about him. And if one of those two can hit, I'll be thrilled. So I'll just kind of just throw those guys in there as just cheaper arms that I did invest in that I think have good potential. Um, you know, the major leaguers, I... I love a lot of these bats I took. I, I've already mentioned Jet Williams, Mar- Marcelo Meyer. I love those guys. Um, Dominguez, I think, could be an absolute monster. I mean, I just, I love the bats, but there's just a couple that I hadn't taken yet, talked about yet. What's your, what would you say is either your least favorite pick or two, or like a regret that you had? Um, like, oh, I wish I would have done that instead of this, if you had to pick one. Or two, whatever many. I mean, the easy one for me right now is Bauer in round 35 because he's not signed yet. That could still look different in a week. So I don't know if I really want to say it yet. It's one of those that might not work out, though. Um, Let's see. I mean, Harper doesn't fit my team build. But, you know, I'm hoping for, like, a year three build with this team. I don't think year two is going to be it for me. I think I could, like... The way it went for me in my 2019 startup is I did cash in 2020. And I think that there's an outside chance I could actually, things if everything went right, that could happen. But I'm looking at a year three build. And that still puts Harper at 33 when my window com- starts competing if I, if I, at best. So I have work to do, but the one thing I can do is I can't do is sell him low. That's a mistake many make, like I said. Um Harper does like, but on the same note, would I have taken anybody else? I mean, Caminero is the one I could have taken, but I still don't know if I would call it a regret. He's just the one that look, he, he sticks out when you look at my roster. I want to yeah. ask you, I want to yeah, ask you the same two questions. What were your favorite pick or two of mine? And what were your, your least favorites? Um, my favorites were probably, uh, I would say Drew Jones and Spencer Jones, where you took them round yeah. sixteen and round twenty. I I think those guys just have like nuclear upside, both of them. Um, I'm not off of Drew Jones. I know it's been kind of rough, but 
Um, I, I mean, he's 20 years old and a year ago right now, you know, he had kind of been crowned. I, I get it. It's, it hasn't been the best, but it's also like extremely cheap here. I just look at this, like you still have a shot on a guy that a lot of people are still high on, you know, I still see him routinely ranked in the top hundred. So, um, and I, I wouldn't just personally wouldn't be surprised that like he he's got so much pedigree that all it's going to take is a hot stretch and he's just going way back up to the top. You know, it's so and then Spencer Jones for all the reasons, you know, six, seven big lefty Yankee Stadium. I think the ceiling on that guy is just huge. So those are probably my two. I I really did like Felix Batista. Like I said, I I think that's just going to pay off unless he just can't get healthy. Yeah. Uh, that's really like the only way I feel like that doesn't pay off because what could happen is he'll come back. I expect him to be elite closer again. Um, and then there will probably be a window where you could look at it like I can either move him or if you're ready to win, maybe you're you're using him to help you do that. Um, I also think you could move him when he's almost back. That's a thing. Um yeah, because like you know, all it takes is oh, he's getting back on a mound, and there's chatter, and you know that helps too. So I could be doing that this uh, year with Springs I and Rasmussen too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely liked liked those picks. Um, least favorite cases oh, around three. I, I know that I really wasn't one of No, I like I, I liked it. I mean, I I like Kansas a lot. I. I don't know if I would have taken exactly him exactly there, but I like that. I I would probably say I wasn't huge on the William Contreras pick. I get yeah. it, but um, I don't think I would have done that. Who would you have taken in that, that spot? I, I knew you didn't like that one too much, but like looking at what was uh, there for the next like round or two, I don't know. I would. I'm not even sure. I'm not really sure. Honestly, it's hard. I didn't feel like yeah. I saw an obvious name there. It's one of those things I would have thought about. It'll take me too long to think through it for this space that we have right now. So, but, um, Ethan. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what I'd have done there, but, um, I'm not bit, I'm not huge on Xavier Isaac either, so maybe that. But once you get down to past the top ten to twelve rounds, and I liked I liked most of your picks in the top ten to twelve rounds, it's kind of like you're just taking guys that you like, and um, so I don't really blame. It's it's like it's okay if the guy that you like and the guy that I like just don't line up too, you know? So and either Isaac's one of us, guy. You're, you're just building assets essentially, you know, and a lot of these guys are going to miss and a lot of these guys are going to hit and, you know, fully exceed their value and you just kind of sort it out. But. What's funny about Isaac is last year I took him in the RM2 first year player dra- sub draft and um, I liked him more than where I thought he was ranked in a lot of lists. And this year, I do think, like, I see some lists, and I think he's overranked. But I thought he fell enough because nobody else was taking prospects for quite a while to where I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to take him here because it got to the point where I kind of felt I had him ranked. 
But like when I look at like there, I see him as a top 20 prospect on lists and I, I'm not with that. I think he's more like in the 40 range personally. And that's kind of where about it got to before I took him. Yeah. The other two others I like were, uh, I like the Garrett Mitchell one where you took him. Mm-hmm. I like, I like Roby too. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that I really like, and I, I, I hate saying it, but I, I, and we talked about it when you did it, but Julio Urias in the second to last round, round 59. Like, with your build, that was such an easy pick. I remember you were, like, asking me, and then you said the other names, and I'm like, no, <laughs> just take Urias because it just doesn't – it it literally doesn't even matter if he doesn't come back. It doesn't even matter because it's round 59. There's 60 rounds in the draft. There's no risk at all. I mean – the only thing I mentioned to you was the only argument that I could come up with for not taking him was if you feel like you won't be able to cut him, like if you'll just hang on to him too long. But you could probably hang on to him at least for a year. I think so. You know? So, yeah, I I love that pick. Like, absolutely love it. I And I know that what he's done is horrible and all of those things, yes. but it's we're playing a game and, you know, it's – um, yeah, there's just, there's no risk. It, it's all, it's all about risk versus reward. There's no risk there. So, um, yeah, I like that one a lot. Those were probably my favorites and least favorites. I, I like most of them, honestly. Like we, we tend to think along similar lines with, um, how to build a team, um, at least in a startup and through trading and stuff and just building assets. And I don't feel like we always line up on the prospects, but nope. We do a lot, and it's also okay because there's there's really nobody that you're going to completely line up with on everybody. You know, it just doesn't – I mean, there's too many guys and too many opinions, and, you know, we all have our, our guys, and that's totally cool. So, um, but, yeah, I, I like what you did overall. Low Profito in round 41, too. I'll throw his name out. I, I mentioned to you, I think he can gain some value this year. Take I walks. think if Houston – yeah, if Houston has like an injury or two, I, I could see him uh, getting in there. And he's really not getting much hype in terms of – he's not a real high-end prospect, but he's he's not really getting much hype in terms of redraft leagues. But I, I have a feeling he's going to get a shot at some point this year once maybe they have a guy or two go down and he can move around a little bit. He's kind of athletic and power and speed. So, yeah, I could see him being a fun own at some point this year, but it's hard to say when. But, yeah, good stash. I like that one, too. Yo, Fru, Rodriguez, we were just talking about him before we recorded because you just took him in the RM1 subdraft. I think that guy's yeah. got the chance to explode. Got him in round 33. I love that guy. I got I got a few of those international guys that I think um, could be poppers. Eduardo Quintero, the next round. Um, Andres Valor with Miami. I don't even know. Oh, round 50. I think that guy's got all the like a lot of tools and – could be a big pop guy also there's just a few of those where you know as i got further down i kind of waited on prospects because i wanted to have my last couple ones be churners because i didn't want to fill up all my farm and then as pop-up guys were happening this year i didn't have spots to take so i really tried waiting till with my last few but i i got a few of those guys later on also that i really like uh favorite draft Besides your own, do you have anybody that you thought they did well or you liked theirs the most? I 
wrote down three teams I really liked. I thought Tyler Lentz had a good draft. Uh, his first 10 rounds were Julio Rodriguez, Corey Seager, Jordan Walker, Evan Carter, Josh Young, Hunter Green, Dylan Cease, Kyle Manzardo, Colt Keith, and Michael King. I don't love every one of those players at their prices, but I liked a lot of them as I was going up and down and all the way through his draft. I thought he did pretty good. Dan Wickman had a good draft. This is more of a try-to-compete-now build. Um, Kyle Tucker, Aaron Judge. What a what a first-two combo that is. Yeah, uh, no Luis kidding. Robert in round three, and then he went with some pitchers with Scooble. I thought Luis Castillo in the fifth was a good buy. That was a steal. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I thought the steal one was good i mean yeah. we'll look back in a few years and probably hate it but hey it, lo- <laughs> it looks good now <laughs> this guy's got a team that you know you that's a pretty good build uh glaber bellinger bo naylor doval and jackson job that's his first 10 i thought that was a good draft going up and down the board he did good and then jimmy patreon i thought also built a solid win now team starting with strider was ballsy but i like what he did next he took vlad jr uh royce lewis o'neill cruz uh, who was the Josh? I wrote Josh and I didn't. Josh know. Lowe. Josh Lowe. Oh, Josh Lowe, Freddie Peralta, Altuve, Yelich, Bogarts, Christian Walker to round out the top 10. Kept yeah. drafting a lot of good veterans with some good prospect picks too. So those were three that I really liked. Nice, nice. We won't. We won't talk about ones that you didn't. <laughs> we'll there were that too out. many we, guys we, that we, I thought we, did we the in-between enough. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's just it's hard because, like I said, there's always there's always a couple at least going in each direction pretty, pretty hard. You know, like if if somebody else is trying to stay young or have the prospects, well, and then you're just doing it the whole way down. It, it kind of just almost defeats the point, you know, but um, what year you think year two, year three, what year you plan on taking this down? I, I, I think I think you're. By the way, and I'm not just saying this because we're on a podcast together, I think you're going to take it down. But I don't know. What do you think? Two, three? I think two might be a little aggressive. I think I've got a lot of prospects that are just going to be debuting next year. And I think year three is probably – like I think I could finish in the upper half of the standings by next year if if things are going right for me and I'm making good deals. And I'll be patient, and I believe I will. I'm pretty – I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to this stuff. And, and I think I'll be able to, I think if things go right, year two, I could be working my way up the standings and year three be near, be right up there. That's my hope. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's such a young man's game now too. You might, you might even have that advanced just because of more, maybe more of these guys are called up than you even anticipate. Exactly. You know, it's, because that just seems to happen lately. For the last couple of years, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of nuts with that. I mean, I just know it happened a lot last year, and I expect it to happen a lot this year. So I got a lot of. I mean, Jason Dominguez was not expected to be up last year. He came up at the end of last year, and if he had not torn his elbow, like had Tommy John surgery, I mean, where would he be going in drafts right now? And so, what, what kind of yeah. season would he be having? It like. You were talking about that at the time in terms of, oh, no, he's playing too well. Like you were wanting him to come up and struggle to keep his yeah. value down because. At, then, he he was, then he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Then he got hurt and helped. It cause, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I say I'm that. just not really I'm not really into it for a redraft. But yeah, in Dynasty. Yeah, totally different. Yep. Yeah. Neto was another one 
that I was shocked when he got called up to. I know you mentioned yep. that before, but just that's what happens a lot of times when you've just got all this talent. You'll just randomly get call up, call up, call up, and next thing you know, you know, team looks pretty good. So Delauder, yeah, Anthony I see that. Mayo, Jet, Mayer, Basalo, oh, maybe not Basalo. Um, those Drew, five. Drew Gilbert's going to be a. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that it could just pop up this year that maybe aren't expected. Gilbert, yeah, he should be up at some point. Yeah, he'll be up. And that, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's pretty much all I got, unless you've got anything else. I didn't mean to like miss anything. So if you got any other thoughts, I mean, it's your show. But yeah, it's good talk. I said I didn't want us going. Like I was like, hopefully we don't go an hour and fifty. After talking one draft when we did 150 for two five years ago and i mean we've managed to hit the one and a half hour mark just talking about this one so yeah i think we've spent enough time talking about it but you and i this is this is stuff we're probably in with all of this this is the stuff we're most passionate about and i knew we would go on for a while yeah. about it. it's just so much fun to look at one of these boards for a dynasty and just pick at it yeah yeah definitely fun to do them and fun to talk about them so Yep, we got Dynasty first, or we got first-year player drafts going on right now. We might be back next week doing that. Um, if Andrew, if Arm Three's got enough done, if not, we'll zit like the we'll zag and we'll actually get started on starting pitching rankings. If, so one of those two things is happening next week. I'm we'll have a we'll have a better idea about that middle of next week, but. We got spring games going now. I mean, it's 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 exciting, Andrew. This is an exciting time. We for yesterday yep. got to watch Joe Musgrove give up a bunch of runs without getting an out. And there were games yeah. today. It's White Langford was hitting third on Friday, and there's just or a Beautiful. lot going on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot for sure. I was kind of looking through box scores and. Any relevant guy at Homer to try and catch the video and yes, yeah, exciting times for sure. Yeah, yep. it's ramping up and um, better days ahead. Yes, and we've got plenty more to come. And thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this. This was a little different for what we normally do, but I mean, I think there's a lot of you guys listening that are really into this stuff too. And we'll be yep. back next week. Until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 